amplified pattern recognition. Why does the universe exist? Yeah. 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 We're about five light sides away Welcome to Think Tank. This is a podcast where in each episode we pick a topic and then we discuss it with industry professionals and thought leaders in that industry. I'm Josh Gonzalez. And I'm Braden Drew. And we're the hosts of Think Tank. This is episode six, where we'll be talking to Alex and Christian at River Studios, which is a virtual reality studio in San Francisco. Alex is a VR developer who works primarily in Unity, while Christian is a design director at River Studios. You can check out some of their work at river.co. And in this episode, we'll be talking about ideas, philosophies, and processes around designing for virtual reality. This means designing fully CG worlds and designing sets specifically for 360 virtual reality filmmaking. This episode was recorded at River Studios in San Francisco, California, but the intro was recorded back home in Toronto in our studios. So let's get right into it. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what you do here and uh, your aspirations in the virtual reality landscape and uh, where you think it's heading. I think virtual reality is a really exciting space right now. Uh, we're a full stack production studio, which means that we essentially start with creative. We shoot all sorts of live action, 360, do all the post-processing, editing, uh, sound, spatial audio. And then we do all the development basically for all the interactive uh, as well as distributing that on mobile, whether it's we do everything from like high end Oculus Vive to low end, just mobile, like cardboard sort of stuff. And that that takes a lot of development. So, yeah, we, we try to offer the whole package here. Yeah. So, Christian, what's your role uh, at River Studios? Uh, I'm designer, um, so essentially leading a lot of our efforts on, on UI, UX, and, and marketing and branding. It's a lot of hats right now, trying to find some good people to, to fill some of those Yeah, it's so well. funny when it's like, you're a designer, okay, so you can do Photoshop, yeah. Okay, so you can also do UX design, yeah, I guess. So you're also yeah. going to do marketing, okay? Yeah, can you do good. video production for us too, <laughs> right? I think that's how... You've been in our going. meetings? Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. I was in uh, my backyard a couple of weeks ago painting headsets that... We just wanted to brand all of our, <laughs> our River logo stuff on. That's oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, he when he started, he literally was a week behind. I, I think he started out a week behind, and I think he's now a month and a half behind. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Horrible yeah. progression. Yeah. And Alex, how about yourself? What do you do here at River Studios? Uh, so I'm SF Dev Lead. lead. Uh, I <clears throat> created a lot of the core tech uh, as part of, actually, funny enough, pitching River One companies. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. And... Uh, we just decided to use that for our internal productions as well. This helps us stamp out uh, apps across different platforms and solve some of the VR challenges. Um, we're trying to polish that up and sharing bits with our, our river companies as we go. And um, there's just a lot of shared problems. And we sincerely believe that we can help people make VR content faster by and also make better tools for ourselves, which is exciting. Uh, there are a lot of shared challenges. But yeah, VR is, just, for me, the bee's knees. Right. Why? What? Uh, what brought you into it? <laughs> VR. Like, what, when were you trying? What was the first time you tried VR? So, funny enough, I I was at a super happy dev house. Oh, uh, super happy dev house over in uh, Mountain View, uh, uh, Google campus, and this was just like a developer meetup. That's a little bit more like hacker friendly, where it's just like, okay, everyone go out, go up there and hack on something and show off what you're working on and talk with other developers. Um, I love developers. Uh, and so this is always the sort of stuff that I did. And uh, I ran into somebody who had this like really ghetto looking like blue green sort of filter for your 
3GS. And they like had this really ghetto looking contraption and I tried it out and I'm like, great, this is cool. Uh, but I had tried, you know, the huge VR things when I was a kid, you know, the virtual reality for whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, but that was the first time in modern memory. And then um, shortly after the Kickstarter, I uh, tried it out. I was working in a Which game one? studio. Uh, the DK one. Oh, the Oculus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is and that like a game changer for you? For China, me, yeah. yes. I was, especially since I was a doubter. I mean, it, after the exposure to the little 3GS driven. What was it? Like a, a mobile phone kind of setup? Yeah. It so was kind of like a low, low, low fidelity cardboard. Extremely low fidelity. And this was oh, wow. like probably like four or five years ago. So it was like really. Really rudimentary at that point. And yeah. it was still the roller coaster. I mean, fortunately, <laughs> I don't get sick. Uh, simulator sick, which is, I guess, fortunate and unfortunate for as a developer. Everybody wants to make a roller coaster. I don't really get it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's true. It's too nauseating. It's, yeah. It's the technology that, that everyone's worried about is going to make you nauseous. And when we pick yeah. something that makes you nauseous in real life. Yeah. What do you think is going to be different this time? I don't, I don't time? get it. Well, Too many roller coasters. I mean, people have been trying to crack the uh, weight loss nut for a while, so maybe that's the angle they're going Bulimia for. Bulimia is your weight loss <laughs> <laughs> strategy? That's probably not the best maybe. idea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just vomit. R- roller <laughs> roller coaster-induced bulimia. Yeah. I think there's always going to be thrill-seekers in that, and they want to see how VR can really make them feel, and I guess one of those feelings is nausea. So, Well, I mean, quite honestly, one of the more fun things I've done recent in recent memory was uh, I was testing out something for demo day and there was a bug where you could turn infinitely fast. And for me, that was awesome. And he's like, I'm, I'm feeling sick just looking at the screen. (laughs) Oh my God, that's horrible. (laughs) But you know, not everyone reacts the same way. It's weird. We were talking about this the other day, actually. It's kind of like when the milk goes bad or something and you smell it. And it smells horrible. And you yeah. immediately say to your friend, like, oh, my God, you have to smell this. <laughs> it's like, why would I do that? It's it sharing, you know yeah. it's going to be horrible. But you, but you kind of want to know. Yeah. <laughs> On some level, you kind of want to find out for yourself. Yeah. And, and have that experience. How bad is that? Have you guys had a really bad VR experience? Now that I'm thinking about it, actually, I think the worst, the worst one that I've had was not because of the game itself, but because I was riding in the back of a car when I was doing it oh. and we were on our way back. We had just done a whole bunch of uh, biz dev stuff down in LA and we we're driving back and we were on the highway for most of the time. And so I was just kind of like catching up on a lot of like the latest stuff and we pulled off to get gas. And so on the highway, you're just kind of slowly moving in any given direction. You're mostly going straight. But then as soon as we got off the road, we're starting to spin around and driving in all these different <laughs> ways. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh, that's so weird, too, yeah, because was, like you think you're str- going straight, but your body's going the complete opposite oh, way. Oh, yeah, it was creepy. It's like, like airplanes are awesome for VR, because like, you just like you get that space. But then when you get some turbulence, it's horrible. And flight <laughs> attendants don't know what to make of it, either. I think I've had a couple just throw stuff at me, because they're like, what are, what are you doing? What is this thing on your head? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they think it's like a sleep mask or something. Yeah, like, pretty much, pretty much. We, we sent our Vive through the airport a couple weeks back, and... <laughs> TSA thought it was a bomb diffusing exercise, more or less. They just no way, with the hand, with the wands they, and everything. They started yeah. pulling stuff out of the computer, and it was just a, a crazy scene when we arrived on the other side. Ripped oh, out man. the CPU fan, and it was just not, not good. It was barely salvageable. I don't, I don't even know if we've fixed it yet. So, what was like the latest thing you guys have been working on with uh, at River? Kind of have uh, a handful of things going on at any given time. We're doing a couple of really exciting projects with some like major musicians. Um, one 
Uh, I'm not sure how much we can talk about it over the radio, um, but they're tied to some new album launches, um, nice. a couple new songs, like definitely artists that you've heard of. Uh, we've done some exciting stuff with um, NBC. Um, so, so they're live action stuff mostly? So no, it's a mix. It's, there's some live action stuff. There's some almost entirely CG work. Um, really what we're trying to get to is kind of walking that line of how do you kind of, how do you blend them all together? I think, because what's really exciting about VR is it's borrowing from both game development. It's borrowing from both film and all, all of a sudden we can, we can intermix those two sort of media in a way that we've just never been able to do before. How do we build sort of live action experiences that have all these interactive elements with all sorts of wild effects that don't actually exist in real life? I mean, this is, this is an opportunity that we've never had before. Yeah. Um, as an artist, as a developer, it's unbelievable, right? It's, like it's You're creating whole worlds and these new experiences that you can't actually do in real life or on like a screen. It's just not the same thing. Absolutely. The sky is really the limit. And we're all just sort of trying to figure these things out, trying a lot of different stuff. It's a lot of experimentation right now. Right. Because no one, no one's done anything. I mean, every, every so often someone does something that you're like, wow, that's really cool. But no one has like blown the doors off anything since... I don't know, since we started realizing that VR was really feasible. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I've noticed that actually like, blew my socks off, like every time, sightline the chair. I know. I just rave about that one. I don't know what it is, but just the way that these guys design the experience where like you don't even know that the scene is changing. That's where I think it should go. I don't think it has to be hard cut. I don't think it even going to be fade. It's like when you look to left, it starts slowly changing, look back, and you're in a completely different environment. It's really cool. Change blindness is a <clears throat> huge aspect of exploration where, uh, you, I mean, and, and of course, um, information asynchronous, uh, like you, you know where you don't know what you're not seeing. So right. you can take advantage of that to do really cool effects like sightline the chair. And that's why horror is really powerful, but I think it just feels a little bit more... I, I think sightline the chair is probably a better example. And I think uh, people who are using wipes uh, based on your, where you're looking now and right. other things like that when you're doing live production and when you're doing CG production, you can do really much more complicated things to create infinite spaces, in fact. So there's a lot of res oh, right. research and development that's being done in that area, and we also sort of poke and prod in that direction because we should know about that. So here at River, you guys share a lot of content and a lot of ideas. And with that, I guess a lot of similar problems might arise. So what are the main consistent problems right now on like a broad spectrum of VR? You have people like producing their own cinema stuff. You got guys producing games, you got guys producing apps and stuff. What's really the most occurring problem for you guys? Drop frames, like frames per second. Those are kind of the things that are just like deal breakers. If it, if, if you're not above 60 at like the bare minimum and you're dropping frames and things like that, it doesn't really matter what else you've got going on for you. It's going to, it's going to be a really uncomfortable experience. How do you maintain that? How do you maintain the frame rate? Uh, well, what I do is I build something that I want and I don't think about that at all. And then Alex tells me that there's no way we can do that and I say, Alex, can you just sort this out and make it work? <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's kind of true. I mean, you sort of do want to have an ambitious vision, and then you can make those compromises in an intelligent way. A lot of what I do is make, uh, you know, technically the right technical trade-offs. Uh, I think for one of our pieces about we wanted to do a VR infographic, and uh, we were trying to, you know, project thousands of fish that you could see, and you wanted <clears throat> wanted to feel important. And, uh, well, as it turns out, you can't do thousands of skin mesh renders 
floating around. So what we did is we projected it onto a sphere and just multiplied that multiple times, which is actually really cheap and it looks very convincing. So finding the right trade-offs there and finding the right primitives, that's basically billboarding for VR. And I think you're going to see a lot more people doing clever t- tactics like that. Like projection mapping, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a cheap way. And then it's all um, pre-rendered stuff, right? So it's easier on your CPU, and you can keep those frame rates high. Yeah, there's a lot of that trade-off being made, and I think that's... Especially now that companies like Samsung, HTC, are, are going so all-in on, on VR, we all know that the hardware is going to get there sooner or later. What can we do to really pushes the boundaries of what's feasible right now? And so we're always looking for like tricks like that. And it's it's a constant back and forth um, just to, to figure out where where there's opportunities to make it look as convincing. Or sometimes you just need to change the way you're doing it altogether. And there's another way. Maybe you just went down a path that seemed like it made sense, but but you can still get an even more excited. It's it's about using the technology as a constraint for creativity. So what is like the production pipeline? Is it more like a Unity-based kind of stuff? Is that like the biggest tool set right now? Because it's more game developers. I've heard so many talks where like, you know, game developers are the most equipped for this type of thing. Yeah, sure, like you can do film, but even then there's a huge technical hurdle that you have to jump over to actually create this these kind of experiences. Uh, Unity is generally favored not only because you can uh, there's a large number of game developers who are familiar with it, but also it goes across the platforms that are currently supported by VR more easily. Uh, C++, there's a lot of like build engineering and then uh, that goes into going across platforms where Unity pretty much offers that out of the box. I mean, we've added some value-add stuff to make that a little bit easier, but really like that's a very powerful tool there's a huge community anything that you want to do you probably can start from somewhere and that's most of the time what i do with christian is just like when we're prototyping it's like okay well what are you trying to do and try to set up a set of tools and most of that's off the asset store in terms of both art assets and um code and then i try to fill in the gaps yeah just stringing things together whatever is already out there yeah no i mean that's really fun because i we're after the impact rather than like oh yeah I feel smart. I did everything myself. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, there's no need for that. And and I'll speak as someone who doesn't come from a game development background that Unity is pretty accessible, to be honest. Like, they've done a very good job. Uh, I mean, it, it definitely helps to sit down with somebody who, who knows it inside out, especially when you're you're working your way through the first couple of things. But, I mean, it's very accessible to, to artists. And I think if uh, you have any interest in, in working in VR, don't be sort of i guess like dismayed about trying to to get your foot in the door using unity i would download it and check it out for sure just try it out see what works see what doesn't absolutely kind of play around yeah are there any good resources out there like what's the best way to learn it uh unity learn has a new vr section that's actually really excellent and uh playmaker makes if you want to do higher level stuff that's a great resource for uh visual programming and there's a huge library of uh custom actions for that uh, of course, Unreal has Blueprint, which is also very accessible for artists. Unity just released, I think, three three or four different um, demos that, I mean, they're, they're all geared toward, toward gaming a little bit, but that's sort of like the, the key to, to figure out how to build anything. Um, I think there's, there's one that's like a first-person shooter. There's one that's like being in a vehicle. There's one that's, I don't know, there's two others that I think it's like a maze or something. Uh, but between the four of them, it seemed like they do a pretty good job covering a lot of the basic mechanics that you'd want for VR. 
Oh, so there's specific VR templates. Uh, that was mine. Those yeah, was it? were, right? Was I there got a chance VR to play templates that yeah. you're free to use? And I mean, oh. it's awesome now. All you have to do is, you're right, click a check mark, virtual reality enabled. And as long as you have a headset plugged it's, in, it works. Yeah. Is that the same with the Vive? If it's plugged in, it works in Unity? Or is it a little bit different? Oh. So, what, do you guys, what do you guys mostly export into? What's the end uh, <laughs> the consumer? The, the Vive takes a little bit more love and care. Um, it's it's great. Um, we But that is more similar to the cardboard style um, devices, and that requires uh, a level of abstraction that we've created uh, actually before the 5.1 stuff. We were publishing back in 4X, and uh, we kind of built our own version of what Unity built. No way. <laughs> so, well, you can hack the Unity editor. I mean, when you get pretty deep into it, the Unity uh, engine is mm-hmm. very um, accessible, and you can make it do pretty much anything you want, and so we have. That's super interesting. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> well, it, it's it's kind of crazy that you can sort of build an engine on an engine. And I knew it was good for tools, for like level building and things like that. Right. Yeah. But you can actually just be like, oh, well, you, you have a magic folder here that does something. Well, let's add another one. All right, cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like how um, Xcode is built in Xcode. Right. <laughs> on yeah, a, on exactly. the uh, Mac. It's it's actually unbelievable. It's just building on top of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, Well, that's actually the <clears throat> the number one check for uh, compilers. Can it make itself? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty crazy. So we kind of got an idea of what VR is right now. It's it's definitely something that's brand new and it's coming out and it has a lot of limitations, but where do you guys really see the future of VR going and what do you want to see? I mean, the the real distant future, I think, is is all augmented reality and, and I think a lot of us are really excited about that. It, it still is certainly a ways off and I think a lot of people, especially when I start talking to them about VR, people that are a little bit more skeptical start thinking like, oh, I'm not really interested in gaming or, or watching movies in VR. I, I'm just going to start building AR. It's, there's a lot of, re- like, we have a lot of hardware problems with VR. Like, AR has a lot of hardware problems. Uh, that being said, I feel really strongly that this is kind of the final platform in the sense that we're moving toward, toward head-mounted displays and it's going to get smaller, better, faster, stronger, and it's going to just keep doing that. Um, because it doesn't seem like that much work to take my phone out of my pocket and turn it on and unlock it and then enter my passcode or whatever to do what I want to do. But when it's all being delivered right to my eyes and I'm interacting with it, we're going to have, I think, so many amazing... T- I think it's, it's going to be the future of the way that we interact with technology. It's more like the singularity kind of thing where it's so yeah. like in your life that it's just, it's just there. It's Yeah, it's almost indistinguishable from the rest of your body and then that's the other right. side is especially when people start talking about like contact lenses with bluetooth like monitors on them like those have been under development for at least five to seven years now like uh it's going to be really interesting and i think it's going to get very hard to to see where the lines are yeah and it's only if it gets adopted by the general public like I can see people using VR for like gaming and you're right, home entertainment. But when it comes into augmented reality, that's where people really understand where this thing's going. And then after that, I guess it's more mixed reality. It's going to be augmented reality slowly going into VR whenever you need it to. And maybe like a mix of the two in some kind of way. I I hope it's all uh, ready for developers when they get it going. That's the only way you can do content for it and actually start building the future of that. I mean, I will say too, again, coming back to to learning how accessible Unity has been, I feel like 
as all of these technologies get better, all of the content creation technologies are getting better too. I mean, I I used to work in processing, which was just like a just like an ID for for I, like artists and designers that wanted to use Java. And I mean, that was very much like baseline coding and I was pretty limited by what I was capable of then. Starting to use something like Unity, the kind of things that I can accomplish. I, I can see the source code that's generated from the things that I do and I cannot understand it at all. <laughs> uh, so I, I think the tools as well are, are evolving in a really interesting way that's going to make it, we think about this future where only developers can do anything for any of these these sort of products, but uh, they're actually becoming more open to everyone else. Um, yeah, a, more accessible really, and easy to use. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just uh, just people need to create content. Uh, I mean, once upon a time, you had to know how to develop. You had to know how to develop film and use a dark room and do all this like high tech process to take a photo. And now, tiny children are taking like Snapchat by accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And sending uh, them out to the world. It's, <laughs> and it's amazing. I mean, it, it seems like it's just the trend that the technology source seems to move in. Like, everybody wants to have a little bit of it for themselves. Right. Like, even, like, two years ago, there was no prototyping tools for, like, mobile development. Now you have stuff like InVision. Have Absolutely. you guys used InVision? Oh, yeah. It's awesome, right? It, you need that for, like, VR, where it's, like, super, super, super simple. Yeah. Yeah, we say yeah. we work in VR, but you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Once you can develop in VR and just design stuff, drag, yeah. drop, do all these things, and it's that's yeah. really close. It's really, really, really close. It's it's all technically possible, and I think both engine vendors have expressed a sincere desire to forward that. Um, actually, if you just apply a little black magic, you can actually add that yourself. AR is an exciting future, and it's certainly something that advertisers are looking after. Replacing your cell phone screen is a big priority for a lot of these vendors like regardless of if vr is a big deal replacing your cell phone screen uh, which takes up most of your battery those two items alone sort of capture a lot of the thing and how do you build a differentiating product in a commodity market well you add features like okay well every phone's going to ship with a cardboard and then you know oh this one beams into your eye and you don't need a a screen scary but that's going to come real soon. Yeah, and we always talk about the physiological effects of those kind of things. I mean, I don't know if there are studies that show this, but do you guys think that there's anything wrong with the direct light beaming directly into your eye? Like, have you ever thought about that? Just like, you know, maybe we should look into it. Is that a thought that has ever Yeah. Yeah. There's some good jokes uh, to be made, but yeah. really. no. I mean, I mean, even with stuff like the Gear VR and the Oculus DK2 and the like Vive, because it is still just yeah. oh, it still well, is it's LED. A, yeah. It's a screen, but yeah. like <clears throat> compared to the laser shooting directly into your eye, like that scares me because really? it's like a small error can right. leave you blind. It's yeah. it's still early days for that. I mean, it's early days for having like a Note Five an inch and a half away from my face. It's definitely early days for blasting lasers into my eyes. But I think the kind of the easy answer for that is like we don't we don't know, uh, and I know that there are some people that are looking into that sort of research. Again, it's it's very early days for VR, so sample size is very low. Um, I saw a really interesting article that was talking about how the difference between where your eye focuses and where your eyes converge. Right, yeah, I actually just read that uh, the other day as well. And and so that being a major concern, but the take-home note of the article was, we don't know if it's a problem or not. It could be. We should pay attention to it. 
and see what happens. Right. I did hear it is a lot better than staring at a phone because your eyes are still adjusting the depth instead of staring oh, at a fixed. Okay, yeah. So that's why I read it. was like a Harvard paper. Um, yeah. Just saying like VR is actually a lot better for your eyes because instead of staring at a fixed point, you're actually still getting the depth that you would in real life, right? Okay. Well, it, it's yeah. fake depth. Yeah. So, um, so maybe it isn't. There's still convergence, divergence issues, but um, yeah, there's, there's still... Uh, as much as there's um, capacity for doing good and with the eyesight in VR, um, if you've uh, vivid vision is an example of like, if you can fix somebody's eyes with virtual reality, you can certainly do damage if you do it incorrectly. Well, yeah, True. we were talking yesterday about like PTSD with virtual reality. Yes, you can cure it, but you can also cause it. Absolutely. Right? So how do you guys make sure that you don't do anything wrong, evil or <laughs> bad with it? Make sure like, I mean, people can still make horror movies. There's still going to be like Absolutely. weird content out there, but user but, testing. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, it, and it, as it, user experience, obviously that's a huge part of it. Make sure people have the best experience, right? It's we only definitely de- a huge part. Oh, sorry. oh, sorry. We only deploy the uh, PTSD causing experiences to Christian's phone. Oh my <laughs> yeah, God. I, I personally test all of our uh, PTSD inducing. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Please refrain from any loud noises. In there. That's actually, we shouldn't really joke about that. No, no uh, it's not a joke. But yeah, but yeah and also, like, it's it, like with any tech, I don't think technology is inherently good or bad. It's one of those right. things that, I mean, you can use it. Any, any powerful technology you can use for very good things, you can use it for very bad things. It doesn't uh, seem like anyone's doing anything bad from what I see around in the community. Yeah, people will. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's just like, I, I like to think that nobody will. I'm, I'm sure somebody will. Um, hopefully, they don't have a lot of resources to make it happen. Um, I mean, again, we have, we have portfolio companies that are curing phobias. We have another company that is showing that VR can, can cause pain reduction in like, horrific burn victims on par with opiates. Uh, which is pretty unbelievable. And I think that goes to show like there's a lot of amazing psychological benefits to VR, but that also means that there's a lot of opportunities to misuse it. So as long as you're making good content and making sure the user experience is good and just trying to do good things with it. Don't be a horrible person, (laughs) Alex. Yeah. Be Google's mantra. Don't be evil. Do you think it always works both ways that if you can cure a phobia in VR, you can cause a phobia in VR? Cause a phobia. Even go a step further, man. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Like, if you're, like, always in a high elevated area or something all the time in VR, like, walking along skyscrapers and buildings and that you normally didn't experience that anywhere else in reality, I think you'd develop maybe a fear of that if it was so real, like... It's maybe some of the graphics perpetually maybe. falling off of buildings or yeah. something. I don't yeah. know. It needs to be yeah. consequent. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're getting shot and getting that black screen when you die in FPS. It's not like right in your face when you're like a meter back from your TV. Mm. So I don't know. Like, and what they have vibration in the controllers. Are they going to have that in the headset when anything happens to you? That seems almost like a like a tick you're going to develop with Pavlov's theory. <laughs> like, I mean, the, at the end of the day, what we're chasing is like the most realistic experience possible. So what happens? And so, something that that I spend a lot of time just sort of geeking out on the idea of is what happens when we have these like retina level displays for VR where it looks like real life. It, at that point, it's going to probably sound and feel like real life. What does that do to your memory? Like, it's going to create memories just like yeah. real life. Our memory is like super malleable in the first place. We already know that we like totally misinterpret things that we remembered already. Am I going to reach a point where it's like, oh, was did I real? do that? Yeah. Or did I do that in VR? Like, did I climb Mount Kilimanjaro or was I sitting on my couch? I don't really remember. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, have you guys ever heard of uh, The Medium is the Message? Marshall McLuhan? Absolutely. You've heard 
as a media, yeah, media production, right? So it's designer. Yeah. So I think, I don't know about you guys, but I really do think that the message of VR as a medium is to forget what reality is or forget what virtual reality is. So it's not really like convincing, but it's to forget what is real and what is not. So I think that's the kind of scary thing, but maybe it's not scary. I don't know. We think it's scary, but we won't know till we actually get there. Like maybe people thought that always being on the phone or always connected to the end of the world is scary. Right. I, maybe, I don't know. I don't think that was a scary thing, but I don't know. Presence is a big thing. I mean, getting to hang out with grandma halfway across the country is, is a, big thing and that's very powerful and i'm really looking forward to having those experiences especially with somebody as somebody who has family all over the world you know I, I yeah i want to like touch base and i think that can be used for really positive ends yeah i mean i facetimed my dad back in canada the other day and it was just like yeah it was cool but it was like a, it was really janky like there's so much movement of him holding the phone and again if we just put on virtual reality headset and we can actually see each other face to face it would have been so much better like you're in the same space and time although you're opposite ends of the world right yeah we have we have a fairly distributed office and so we use like google hangouts all the time but in a lot of cases there's there's these lag, like moments of lag where it's like just like half a second or just a second which is just the right amount of time for someone to say something and and, and no one to respond and you're just like wait and they, and they, wait, they talk over yeah, <laughs> yeah they start talking over each other exactly so what happens so in vr it has to be even better than that it has to be like spot on it has to be right there otherwise it's gonna get really creepy and a little bit weird like i don't know if you guys experience that in like just like regular on online gaming but I don't know. I think the technology is a little like bit better. As the technology starts advancing, um, we're going to find more limitations to this type of content that you can produce because, like, there's some things that I personally would never want to experience in reality. And I know there may be other people out there like, oh, this might as well and try that. But there's some experience out there that can actually cause like serious damage just to like look at it. Like, I don't want to see a very realistic car crash or a very realistic bomb exploding or or feel almost completely realistically drowning. Like, <laughs> right. fair. like I feel like people will create that because right now everyone who we've talked to has been like, yeah, we want VR to be an open platform. We're going to have a lot of content creators coming in, adding and building to this VR universe. And like you guys said, there's going to be a duality between the good and the evil. There always is. And I don't know. I feel like there's a definite, <laughs> that's a bad selling point for VR there. For sure. Could be too that's real. just like the internet, right? People can make weird shit on Tumblr all the time. There's so much weird <laughs> stuff on can? YouTube, <laughs> right? Like, it's just weird. Like, just weird stuff. Not even good or bad. It's just strange. Oh, it yeah. seems to be more effective than, mm-hmm. like, you can't flick on a, a horror movie and show it to a, a kid. Yeah, it might freak him out for, like, a month or so, and he'll have nightmares. But imagine doing that in VR, and he can't distinguish between, was that real? Especially at young developmental stages of the brain they don't really have that distinction yet even of a sense of self so i'm be really interested in seeing the science that would come out with that because it's hard to know there's a lot of breaching and gray areas there in terms of neurology that can't be explored especially in this infancy yeah stage. i think i think the psychology of it all is is going to be a very hot topic for research um to give sort of the counter argument to that um there's a couple of companies that are doing some really amazing work in vr journalism right now and there's now there's no better way to sort of evoke empathy for these people who it's one thing to watch on tv where the frame is very carefully controlled this for all i know this scene could be like one of what just like a small area or something that was even orchestrated by the media company. We know how like media has gotten so sensationalized. Uh, but 
there's a couple of companies that have done work in like in Syria and and after the, like the Nepal earthquake and there's no way to really understand the plight of those people than to be there in that scene and understand just how horrible and terrifying and unfortunate the whole thing is. Yeah. The thing about that though is like we already get that with the news and a lot of times those are orchestrated and they are scripted and they are framed in a way that they want to show you. So yeah, you can get all this footage, but then at the end of the day you can cut it up and show how you want it to. Like right now when you watch the news, you're very much blinded. Like you're in like this little rectangle and like they're telling you exactly what they want you to know. So could that be worse with VR or is it better? Because now you can look around and you can kind of see um, it's harder, behind the scenes. It's harder to create those sort of scenarios in VR because and, – and, and this is something that we face all the time when we're shooting live action is that there's no – nothing's out of the frame. Like we right. can't have a whole back of house where we're like – running this whole operation to make it all look and feel and, and, and perform all that mu- movie magic that we're used to. It's, it's a more honest, I think it's a, it's a lot more. It's raw. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I agree. It, we can't do amazing lighting for a lot of reasons because we're going to have a whole bunch of like spotlights in the shot. We can't do, I mean, we can't have all of this like amazing sets because as soon as you aren't looking at the set anymore, that magic disappears. So it's really much more, I think, about being in a place in a time and seeing it for what it is. You know, it's much more about transporting you there as it is than trying to portray it in this amazing new way. And and the way that you do the amazing new way, I think, is going to be through CG. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and Blending then, that. Yeah, yeah, and we'll become very good at distinguishing between CG and, and live action. Yeah. And it'll be hard to tell and at CG's that point. CG is harder to do and costs more money. Yeah. And, and the yeah, news exactly. industry definitely wouldn't do that for every single day news. Uh, no, there's um, no way. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that's almost like a truth, a truthfulness in seeing the image and the, the, the VR. You can't really hide or lie or, or shift it into a way to tell a certain thing. Like whatever's in that space that you're trying to capture, especially right now, is all you can capture. You can't really change it. You can't even get, in a lot of cases, you can't get out of the frame. A lot of our earlier footage was a really fun game to play. Like, where's Adam? Was like one of our directors. And you just like look around the scene long enough and you're like, oh, there he is. (laughs) Oh, there's JD. He's over there. Well, I think that'll work for Quentin Tarantino, though. Well, he, yeah. he'll, he'll deliberately <laughs> yeah. find, find really creative places to hide himself. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, film for VR is a little bit different now. I mean, you could orchestrate uh, scripted events, but I guess you're talking about more um, news and journalistic kind of media. Yeah, I think if it's anything that's sort of like very time sensitive, I and mean, there's, there's a lot of production work that goes into VR. We were talking about the stitching before this even started. So even if you take really high quality photo, and, and that will get faster with time for sure. Uh, but if you take really high quality photo, like the fastest you can turn it around is probably like a couple of days. Right. Yeah. It's obviously a lot more expensive to build too, right? Right. Exactly. It's costly. It's it's challenging to do like breaking stories when you're a couple of days behind. And the file sizes are oh, it's ridiculous. No, <laughs> there's so many problems to solve. I mean, in the workflow of things, like I I know for a fact, like from my experience of doing 360 filming. You know when you do regular film, like a thousand things can go wrong. Now times that by six. Oh, forgot an SD card. Oh, camera four wasn't recording. You know, have you guys uh, gone through those? Um, A friend of mine, uh, a a, a sister (laughs) studio. Uh, Well, you know, it it happens and uh, it'll get easier really fast. And I'm really excited by these little smaller devices that are easier to use because it's not always about like the high production value that matters. It's, It's the content. 
And if you feel you're in a place where something important is happening, that that's really, I don't know. I, I want to see that. I want to see it's always sunny in Philadelphia shot in 360. <laughs> I want to I know what that looks like. Right. And uh, it's certainly not like using the traditional film techniques. It's not a single point of focus. And I want to know what that means. I mean, how do you even tell I a story? I definitely want to see 360 in space just because I believe when you see a space shot, you're missing a lot because there's there's no up or down point of reference, especially in zero G. And so I think it would be the most fantastic way to scroll through and look at things. And you don't really need depth because some things are so far away. It doesn't really matter where they are in relation to yourself. And I feel like that would be an easy way to tell a, a nice story. There's a lot of great footage up there, too. That's for sure. Plus, on on the other side, space is one of the few environments where you don't get motions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's very true. All right. I think we're uh, about running out of time. Uh, our next guests are, are here. Uh, so is there anything uh, you want to add, Alex? Or plug? Anything? Anything at all you want to say? Uh, VR is awesome. Everyone should do it. Uh, yeah. Check out check out the studio, riverstudios.co. Um we yeah we're over in San Francisco and we love the kind of work that we're making, um, but really <laughs> everybody should just be be starting to take a look at it. I think it's going to be a really exciting space. Do you guys have personal accounts yeah, people can reach you at Twitter, or website or anything? Um, Alex Sink, S I N K. Yeah, like Kitchener Bathroom. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I, not S Y N C. Yeah, okay. that's correct. And, and you know, I'm also the proud uh, owner of IHaveNoGirlfriend.com. Uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good website. You should oh, check that one out. <laughs> soon, soon. <laughs> email, email him first, and then check the website out. Yeah. yeah fine. Right. Right. Well, thanks for coming, and thanks for being on. I really valued everything you guys had to say. Awesome. Thanks, thanks a lot, thanks for guys. Us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Take care. If you enjoyed this talk and want to check out more, go to our website at thinktankcast.com and subscribe with your email so we can send you all of the latest episodes, news, and updates right to your inbox. Also, on our website, there will be show notes for this episode, uh, some links to the things that we talked about, and more detailed information on our guests. If you want to see the video of this episode, it'll be on our YouTube channel, which is also linked on our website. And if you want to keep in touch, we're on social media. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Think Tank Cast on pretty much everything, so you can find us on the web. And all these details, again, will be linked to our website at thinktankcast.com. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Amplified pattern recognition. Why does the universe exist? We're about five lives away from the tiny answer.